Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmaine.com. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, are you there? Nope. All right. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. You guys ready? We are, we've been in a series called There Must Be More. It's been a couple weeks, but I want to get right back into it. Um, this is one of the verses, uh, it's been kind of the cornerstone verse. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Aren't you guys so glad that he grants to you um, everything that God grants to you is not according to your behavior, it's not according to your, um, your good choices, but it's according to his glorious riches. Aren't you glad it's not on your record, it's on his? It says, according to the riches of his glory, be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in life and love would be able to comprehend with all the saints was the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, everyone say able, To him who is able to do exceedingly, everyone say exceedingly, abundantly, everyone say abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. We've been in this series called There Must Be More, and and the heart cry of this whole thing is is that I've I've sat with leaders, I've sat with pastors who've been ministry for 15 plus years. I sit with believers that have been in the church their whole life. I sit with people and I start talking about their life and they're hitting these roadblocks and they're hitting these places of their life. They just want to get up. They just want to quit. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And when I start talking about the Lord and I start talking about his power, I start talking about what's available to them. I start talking about his presence and about being consumed by his presence. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I've never heard that before in my life. I've never heard anyone talk that way. No one ever told me that that's possible. When I start going into the extravagance of his mercy and his kindness and his grace, that we were actually created body, soul, and spirit for the purpose of of hosting and dwelling day in and day out with the uh, tangible, glorious, eternal presence of God. That actually Jesus became a table of fellowship and his body became bread that we would eat with, that in all seasons of life that we can come and feast on the goodness of God. That, that, uh, that God actually created you with emotions and God created you with an imagination. God created you with the ability to create. Isn't it nuts that you actually have the ability to think an idea and then create it with your hands? That God's given you such a profound God-like power and authority to create from the very own realm of your imagination and that he gave you his spirit to actually interact with your imagination and your emotions and your thoughts and your whole life all for the purpose of actually knowing, experiencing, and fellowshipping, communing with God forever. Isn't it wild that Jesus died and rose again and conquered sin and death, not only for you to die and go to heaven, but for you to experience eternity right now. And man, when we start talking about some of these places, man, there must be so much more. I don't care what level in God you've hit at. How many of you guys know there's so much more? There's so much more. Oh my God, there's so much more. Worship was great, but oh my God, there's so much more. There's so much more and there's so much more in his presence. 
I want to live day in and day out in the scary presence of God. I want to live in the overwhelmed and the overflow of his presence day in and day out, communing with God for eternity. I was created for the purpose of fellowshipping with God. And what I want to get into today is another place where I could just provoke our hearts to a lifestyle and to a belief and to an understanding that the brokenness of your life is not your inheritance. I'm going to say that again. Ready? You with me? The brokenness of your life is not your inheritance. The, the broken habits of your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your imaginations, unconquerable places of your life is not your inheritance. The wholeness is your inheritance. And when we start talking about, you know, uh, when we start talking about wholeness, well, how do we measure wholeness? What is that? And, uh, and the vision for wholeness comes from the original intent uh, in, in, in Genesis chapter three, we have the story. I don't feel like I really need to lay it all out for us. We understand there's two trees in the garden, the tree of life, the knowledge of good and evil. We're told we can eat from the tree of life. We can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know that Lucifer shows up as a serpent. We know that God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man out of dust. He breathes life into him. He takes a rib from him. He creates woman. He says, now go into all the earth and multiply and be fruitful. Have, uh, subdue the earth and have dominion. Everything that I've created, have authority over it. Share authority with me. And they were living in the Garden of Eden, walking in perfect harmony with the Lord, where there's no separation. God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, and he fellowshiped with them in this place where heaven and earth were not separate, they were one. And God walked there, and man and God were in perfect harmony. And the serpent, who believed he was better than God, Lucifer, shows up in the form of a serpent. And uh, in, in, this, in this moment, uh, what I want, well, let me just say this first, is that Adam and Eve in the garden is God's original intent for you and I, that we would live in eternal unbroken fellowship with God in perfect harmony and wholeness without the appetite of sin and without the awareness of our faults and our failures. You're like, you're nuts. No, stay with me for a second. To, to walk in complete wholeness and harmony with the person of God without the fractures of our soul daily causing disconnection, not only with the Lord, but the people in our lives that he's provided as a gift. Do you know it's not good for man to be alone? Do you realize it's actually like the effect of sin has been the brokenness of the soul and the brokenness of the soul is a thing that keeps robbing us of our inheritance. The, merit, the problems in our marriages are deeply connected to the brokenness of our soul. And when those brokennesses play out, they play into the breaking down of relationship. Do you realize it's not good for man to be alone? It's not good for us to be isolated and alone for each other. We need community. You don't actually do very well when you're by yourself. We're created as a body of Christ to be knit together uh, in, in, in harmony, sharing life with each other. That's where you thrive and you're created to thrive. And if the emotional brokenness of your life keeps fracturing relationships, do you know the brokenness of your life is the very thing that's robbing you of the gift that you were created to receive from? All right, you guys are gonna be like the nine. You're gonna be a really quiet crowd? Are we, are we right? You guys good? Without the fra- we were created, our inheritance is to live without the fractures of our soul daily causing disconnection, not only with the Lord, but also with the people in our lives that he's provided as a gift. When you look at Genesis chapter three and you see that perfect, the original intent for us, and then you see the serpent come and what does he say? Let's read it together really quick. Genesis chapter three. Then the serpent says to the woman, oh, well, let's go. The serpent, the more cunning and all the field the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said that you shouldn't eat from this tree? And the woman said to the serpent, 
we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, he said, you will not eat it or you, uh, or nor touch it or you will die. The serpent then says to the woman, but will you really die? For God knows in that day that if you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. How many of you know that he, his, he's called the father of lies, right? Lucifer, the father of lies. How many of you know that he's the father of lies because he's really good at lying? And the best version of a lie is a lie that sounds like the truth. Lies that don't sound like the truth are very easily pick off like, that's stupid. That's clearly not true. You know, my children say things to me and I'm like, that's a lie. <laughs> it can't be true. Right? And, and that, that's not a very good lie. But the, the thing that about Lucifer is he can say things that are right, but they're not truth. And if he can buy, get you to buy into something that's absolutely right, but it's not truth then we can actually buy in to, to uh, what appears as light, but actually only leads to destruction. Partner with a lie. And so he says to her, um, but here's the problem. If you open it, you won't die. God knows if even your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Here's the problem. They're already like God. So he begins to question something. And what's he doing? He's actually inviting her to partner with the lie of lack. She was complete. Adam and Eve were complete, perfect harmony, lacking nothing. And the enemy comes and the serpent comes and he lies to her and says, actually, you're not perfect and complete. Let me show you why. God knows that if you do this and you're going to be like him. And God's trying to control you and not allow you to be like him. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, the lie of lack then begins to provoke some emotions, right? Because every emotion begins with a thought. A thought creates an emotion. Emotion be creates a behavior. And when the woman saw the tree was actually pretty good for food. I see what you're saying here, serpent. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. She took the fruit. She ate it. She gave it to Adam. He ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open to their nakedness. Their lack. They're incomplete. They're vulnerable. They're exposed. And they immediately started grasping for fig leaves to cover it. How I many guys know fig leaves aren't going to do anything for your nakedness? What a terrible covering. And so they're grasping for things to cover the very thing that their eyes were unaware of and now is open to is their own vulnerabilities. One of the things that we have to understand is that um, the lie of lack is the seed behind every sinful appetite in our life. It's the lie of inadequacy and the lie of lack is the, is the seed of every sinful appetite in your life. And sin is simply humans grasping of anything to try to cover up what is now exposed. It's actually the inadequacy, all of the, uh, all of the passions of your life we can even go down the, the desire for a partner, uh, you know, sexual fulfillment. We could go down the, the lane of, of joy and peace and the need for significance and security and all these different things. We have these longings. And, and I want to present to you every longing that God created with was for the purpose of being fulfilled by him. There is fulfillment in every emotional longing of your life. There is fulfillment in the presence of the Lord. But what happens is, is that when we are recognizing our lack and our incompleteness, we start grasping for things to try to add. I don't have joy. Maybe I'll find joy here. And, and I, I, don't, I don't feel like I mean anything. Maybe I'll find significance here. And we're putting fig leaves all over our bodies, but all it is is sin. 
And none of it actually covers us like the robes of righteousness that Jesus purchased for us. This makes sense. Okay. But here's the problem over you know, the course of history and everything. Like, What happens is, is then the sins of man play into the sins of man. And all of a sudden, every pain in our life is deeply connected to our own sin or the sin of somebody else sins of our fathers, the sins of our friends, the sins of our family, the sins of our spouses, all of a sudden are becoming these like entrenched layers of pain. And when we go through layers of pain and entrenched in, 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 a, in difficulty and trial, we will create beliefs and ideas to survive hard seasons. And then all of a sudden we've actually created, we've insulated ourselves with our own brokenness and we're living in survival mode all the time. And you think, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Everything's fine, everything's fine. I'm living fine, I'm taking care of, I'm okay. But there's this in place in Revelation chapter three where he goes, you say that you're rich. You say that, you're, uh, that you can see clearly. You say that you are uh, 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 clothed, but I'm telling you that you are poor, wretched, and blind, that you have nothing. Come and buy from me gold that's been refined by fire. Let me put robes of righteousness on you because we can see everything through that holy garment you're wearing. When I say holy, I mean like actual holes. Let me put eye self on your eyes because you're not seeing life clearly. You don't see what I see, right? There's, there's actually so much in our life that we've insulated and we say, it's all fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But the reality is, is that brokenness is driving the ship of our life. And, and uh, but that's not your inheritance. There's gotta be more. Jesus conquered sin and death. He wore shame as his garment for us. His body was broken so that ours didn't have to be. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our inner man so that he could work the glorious riches of the finished work of the cross inside of us. I'm telling you right now, your brokenness is not your inheritance. There's so much more liberty and freedom that's available to you. Is this okay? Can I give you, can I, oh man. Guys are funny. Stop it. Um, can I give you three three lie three lies? All right, three lies that are um, that are the are, are like the primary lives that like are the seed to the appetite appetite of sin and like the patterns of brokenness in our life. Are you ready for them? The first one is inadequacy, which means I am I believe that I am incomplete. The, belief, the, the lie of, of, how many of you guys know the enemy's been working literally from the day that you were born? He's been trying to get you to buy into these lies. Because if you can buy these lies, then you'll continue to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the, the entirety of your life. And he will literally have a authority over your life that will continue to sabotage everything that God wants to give to you. You will partner with the lie and sabotage the blessings of God over your life. And he has, he has worked his, your entire life to get you to believe lies. And this is why when Jesus said, I'm gonna send you help, I'm gonna send you the spirit of truth and he's gonna convict the world of sin. And he's, the reason why the spirit of truth convicts the world of sin is because all sin's connected to a lie. And so when you reveal truth, you actually convict the sinful appetite of your life because your sinful appetite of your life is directly connected to the lie that you believe in your whole life. And so this is why I can't, I can't manage your behavior good enough. We have to expose the lie and bring you to the fullness of what Jesus accomplished and actually begin to rearrange our belief systems around what he accomplished instead of what I've experienced. 
And one of the, one of the most important lies that the enemy is going to try your entire life through the sins of other people, life experiences, hardship, poverty, you know, pain, difficulty, people taking advantage of you. The, one of the lies that he's trying to get you to believe is that you are inadequate and you are incomplete. Why is this important? Because the belief that I am incomplete keeps me grasping for anything that will cover up my lack. It will cause me to search for anything that causes me to feel significant. This is why faithfulness is short in the church. It's because people are running from a thing, to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing. And they were not faithful because they're just trying to find something that makes them feel significant. Men, look at me for a second. This is one of the reasons for the unfaithfulness of men in their families is because they're looking to provide for their families as a measure of significance for their life. And they're actually operating, their drive to provide for their families actually so driven by inadequacy and will never scratch the itch that they will become so disillusioned with their inability to become significant that they will actually give up and they will be waver in their faithfulness to their family because they, are, they have given up the pursuit, and they fully buy in, I'm incomplete, I'm going to fail, and they'll sabotage the very things that God's blessed their life with. Does that make sense? But come on, what's the lie here? The lie is actually, you are the dwelling place of the presence of God, and when he comes and dwells on your life, he actually comes with assignment and purpose for your life. And he comes with assignment and purpose to call you for something far greater than you have the ability to do. The God, the creator of the heavens and the earth is partnering you and laboring with you to raise up generational lines of, of children that will love the Lord with their entirety of their life. And they will live and exist to bless another generation with what you trained and gave them. You are impacting legacies by your faithfulness as a husband, and as a father. Oh my God, you're significant. The lie of inadequacy, I'm incomplete, will cause us to sabotage opportunities because we will disqualify ourselves before we have the opportunity to mess it up. The lie of inadequacy will mistake God moments for coincidences once again because we disqualified ourselves. God, did you guys realize that like, do you know how many times the, the jealousy of God will position himself in your life to encounter you and to set you up for a God moment so frequently in your week and we never see it? And the reason why we never see it is because we believe that we're inadequate. And if we're inadequate, we're never looking because God wouldn't do it here and he wouldn't do it with me. And so when we're living out of inadequacy and we believe that we're incomplete, we've already, uh, we've already sabotaged God moments. We go, it's probably just a coincidence. It's not God because why would God step in and show me that? That might not be the very thought you have, but I promise you it's inadequacy. It's causing you to miss moments that God authored for your life. <clears throat> inadequacy partners with shame that causes us to avoid any moment that might expose our inadequacy. The reality is we're so afraid to fail because we already believe that we're failures and incomplete and we don't have the capability of doing what God's called us to do. And so we will actually avoid any moment that actually requires courage because our inner dialogue has already told us that we're not capable. The problem is, is that courageous vulnerability and relational risk-taking is required to build covenant friendships. And the reality is, is that the, your ability to bring the fractures of your life and say, here I am to the people around you, not just, I, I spoke on this a little while ago, not just transparent, but vulnerable saying, come on, 
I'm inviting you in. Let's dig in. Let's do life together. That's actually where covenant friendship is, uh, is actually created. It's not actually created in the polished environment of a good church service. You will all come and go and this church will be an inch wide and a mile deep because all we're doing is we're living and showing each other our best parts, but we're not living courageously vulnerable and inviting each other in. And if we don't do that, we won't actually experience the power and the blessing of covenant friendship and the promises that were two or more are gathered, I will dwell in the midst of them. If two or more agree on anything, then I will do it. It says one put a thousand flights, two could put 10,000 flights. Where the brethren are dwelled together in unity, there I command a blessing. How many of you guys know that our unity, our connection, the depth of our relationship requires courageous vulnerability to invite each other in and do real life? And we'll experience the absolute blessing and power that deep relationship and community really is. But inadequacy will continue to sabotage relationship. It keeps us from being able to, to uh, build covenant friendships because we're already just qualifying ourselves over and over and over again. You guys ready for the second lie? The enemy has been trying so hard. They're very similar, but it's, it's one is I am incapable. The other one is I am powerless. It's the fear of man. And the fear of man will entertain suspicion as a survival mechanism prepared for every fallout. The fear of man, the most obvious uh, 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 measurement of the fear of man is actually the amount of suspicion that operates in your life. Here, here, here's the reason why. is because you have a calculated experience of your life that tells you that no one's to be trusted. And if people are never to be trusted, then you'll continue to be suspicious of every person that you meet because they will be familiar to your past experiences of pain. The scary thing is, is it will often call suspicion discernment. <laughs> so we'll usually call like discernment. I got a red flag. Feel good about that one over there. I don't know about that person. They, I just got this thing. I just don't feel right about him. Can I tell you right now that the father in heaven feels absolutely fine with them? He is outrageously overwhelmed by them. He is the reward of the suffering. He's not in heaven saying, I love everybody, but watch out for that guy. That usually is actually a suspicion and not discernment. And suspicion, listen, I know I'm kicking some golden cast because all of us in the room are like, love everybody, but that person worries me. I, I realize what I'm doing, so I'm sorry if I offended you. But listen, scary thing about suspicion is we can often confuse it as discernment. But suspicion is usually just a familiar emotion to a past place of hurt and disappointment in our life. God's not warning you about them. God, you probably have a familiar experience with someone with the same mannerisms. And so you become suspicious with their personality and their behavior because the last person you met like that is someone that took advantage of you and hurt you. And you're ready right now to already be suspicious to never allow yourself to experience hurt again. We all right? The fear of man causes us to start to compare ourselves, but comparison is just a demon that wants to discredit the people around us. Yeah. Often, let's be honest, like comparison, when we start going down the road of comparison, we're not usually comparing like, oh, wow, I'm not that great. They're amazing. Usually we're like, well, I got crap and that person's got more crap than me, so I don't ever need to be like intimidated by them. So <laughs> comparison usually doesn't elevate people in our mind. It usually discredits them in our mind. Usually the, 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 and this is why we know it's a demonic spirit because 
um, the comparison is on assignment to break the power of relationships. The fear of man is always looking for opportunity to maneuver you in a way from situations that, uh, that make other people powerful. Because I am powerless, I don't wanna yield myself to the power of other people. So if suspicion or if comparison has the ability to convince me that they're too powerful, I will either maneuver or discredit them in their mind so that I don't have to live in fear of them because I have a fear of man and I'm, I'm afraid that your power will overcome me and hurt me and has the ability to rob from me and steal from me. Here's the problem. In the body of Christ, our relationships are supposed to empower each other, not disempower each other. We're not building a powerful organization with powerless people. We're building powerful people. We're building people that know who they are and we actually elevate each other and not lower each other down. And the fear of man is here to sabotage our relationships. Last one is this. Man, I gotta fly. You ready? Anxiety and worry. Um, let me just say, that it, which is the lie that I am vulnerable. And I don't mean courageous vulnerability. I mean that I am vulnerable to something overwhelming me, overtaking me, and I can't handle it. Anxiety and worry, let me just say this really quick. I am not, I, don't, I wanna make sure to acknowledge that there is clinical disorders of anxiety that have nothing to do with what I'm about to say. Like there are actually physical makeups that need to be worked with, medicated and helped and dietitians, everything need to get involved. I'm not talking to you. Don't be inadequate. I'm not talking to you. But what I do wanna say is in the situations where circumstances and beliefs and ideas in our own imagination start overwhelming us, and then all of a sudden we so yield ourselves to anxiety and worry that it's actually controlling the temperament of our life and the climate of our life. And um, anxiety and worry, I just wanna say very clearly, wherever there's anxiety and worry, I can promise you there's a broken belief system that's not allowing you to trust the Lord. I actually really enjoy anxiety. I hate anxiety and worry, but I really enjoy it because it's one of the easiest symptoms of a broken belief system inside of me. And I know that I can't move on from what I'm experiencing right now. I can't move on until I find the lie that I've been believing. We have to train ourselves to actually like identify the fact that I feel anxiety and worry because there's an absence of trust in the Lord right now in my life. And the reason why I don't trust the Lord is because I believe a lie. But I need to become like Romans 4.20 says I, that Abraham was persuaded that God was able to do what he was going to do. I need to enter into the wrestling and the persuasion that God is able and he is exceedingly abundantly possible that he's going to step in and do exactly what I need him to do and he's gonna carry me through the situation. Anxiety and worry is one of the easiest places to acknowledge that these emotions are not my inheritance. What, is, what in me is out of alignment with truth. Anxiety and worry are so profound because they clutter the very place that was created to hear God's voice. Anxiety and worry is completely an emotional experience. And when it's happening in our emotions, all of a sudden, it's actually our emotions, our imaginations, and our thoughts that start running. Anybody ever experienced where you can't get control of the thoughts and the images going through your head and anxiety and worry and circumstances? You literally have already lived in some sort of false prophecy about your future because you've already lived out, can I survive what's about to come? Right? Here's the problem is that God actually wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to you in the same arena that you're listening to the lie of worry. And so the problem is, have you ever been in a room where everybody's talking and somebody says, hey, can you take out the trash? And you go, I'm not trash, you're trash. <laughs> right? You got the wrong message. You heard the right words, you got the wrong message. Too many people are hearing the right words, but getting the wrong message from the Lord. Because at the same time they're trying to listen to his voice, they're also hosting worry in their life. And it's like many voices in the same room and they can't hear the voice of the Lord. Anxiety and worry distort our ability to comprehend the voice of the Lord. So here, why did I say all that? Like, what a bummer message, Jamie. I, I'm not trying to bum us out. 
as much as I am trying to get us to identify with the fact that none of this is your inheritance. None of this is your inheritance. And that God has actually invited us through the sacrifice of his, the, the blood of his own son. He's invited us to actually submit our life into wholeness. In Philippians chapter two, since we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling every single day. And what is the one key that I can give us? I could probably spend weeks on this, but what's the one key that I can give us right now that says like, how do we actually get out of like the habits of brokenness in our life and enter into the, the rhythms of wholeness and healing? And it's this is that by, over the course of your life, the pain and the brokenness have created such habitual responses to pain that your pain has gained so much momentum that it's actually almost impossible to not respond the way you always have responded. With something that's that momentous in your life, it requires blunt force to stop the momentum and redirect it. And here's the only thing that I'll say, you're right, the most revelatory thing you ever say. You have to use blunt force every single day to declare, that's not my inheritance. I refuse to partner with it. And, and it says, in, I'll, I'll, let me read this to you. My last verse to you, Colossians chapter one, verse 20. I said in the first uh, service, wrong verse. It was the right verse. I just didn't read far enough. I was so tired this morning. Um, let me read this, Colossians chapter one, uh-huh. verse 20. For... Um, you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Uh, let me actually go up a little bit before that. It says, for it pleases the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Can I just say this right now, that it pleased the Father to reconcile you, to recalibrate you back to the original intent. You're lived for harmony. Let's get rid of all the disconnections. Let me give you salvation, which is whole, healed, and delivered. Let's set you free so that you can live in the fullness of what I purchased for you to reconcile you back to the Father right now, not later. And you who once were alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he's reconciled in the body of his own flesh to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. If, everyone say if. My God, one of the most important words in the entire Bible. The word if is the most important word in the entire Bible. Because so many people want the promise and they refuse to enter into the responsibility of it. And he he says this, he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, and not moved away uh, away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. Here's the thing I want to say is that if we're going to actually like experience wholeness and breakthrough and victory, I I once was lost and now I'm found, I, I once was broken and now I'm whole and I'm out living in the same Um, reoccurring circumstances of pain, anxiety, and worry. If we're going to be those people, we have to use blunt force and seize every opportunity to change our response. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, and we we strike down principalities and powers by taking every thought captive and bringing obedience to Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says, and the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword uh, dividing between soul and spirit. Philippians chapter two, verse, uh, uh, I think it's actually 4.6, where it says, um, and whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is is, uh, worthy of rapport, uh, focus on these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's something about actually entering every day and seizing every opportunity saying, you know what? 
I've had people in the past speak to me that way and my response has always been the same. I cut you out immediately. I stop returning to your text messages because I wanna punish you for the way you spoke to me. This is what I've always done. And you can hear the conviction of the spirit of truth coming and saying, it's not your inheritance. It's not who I created you to be. That trail of dead bodies of relation, that's not your inheritance. I'm gonna cut you off and not talk to you anymore because of what you did. Holy Spirit, it's not your inheritance. I'm gonna hoard all of my life and I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna stop living generously because I'm afraid of the future. The Holy Spirit comes, it's not your inheritance. And those moments is invitation, stop the train of brokenness in your life and saying, I refuse to go any further. You listen to conviction of the Holy Spirit and you go, today I'm gonna choose another way. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard, it's difficult, I'm gonna choose to worship the Lord in the moment that I feel anxiety and worry. So many, so many times you're getting anxious and worried and you go running into the fire and go, I'm gonna save everybody. Even at the expense of your own peace and you get your hands dirty, you just make everything worse, right? And the Holy Spirit's saying, it's not your inheritance. You choose, you know what? I'm gonna give this one to the Lord. I'm gonna bless and I'm just gonna like trust the Lord and I'm gonna just worship him right now. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? God wants to invite us into the process of reconciliation and redemption every day, seizing every single opportunity that we have to yield our mind, our will, and our emotions over to the process of redemption to be reconciled fully in the flesh and the inner man to be reconciled to the Lord. And, uh, but it takes us every single day seizing the opportunity when the Holy Spirit uh, convicts us that we're entering into a realm that's not our inheritance. Is that all right? Come on, we stand together.